Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello. Hello. Yes, I hear you, sir. Yeah, Blog Talk's kicking me off. Dana was on and he just dropped the call. Um, Stand by just a second. It kicked me out like three times. There he is. Okay. Yes. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. After a rough and tumble beginning this morning, I think we're, we're now live with Dana Lane from... Dana Lane Sports and SBRPicks.com. Dana, what's up, man? Hey, how are you guys? Oh, we're having a rough start, but I was trying to get in for the show, and the the software, I guess, Blog Talk uses kept kicking me out. So I guess we're on. <laughs> how are you yeah, today? Yeah, no, no, I, I'm good, man. We, um, I, I just called in once, and um, it, there was a, you know, a small problem, no big deal, but it worked the second time. So we're good to go, man. There we are. All right, all right, and Chris is here with us as well. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you guys. I was just giving everyone the the playoff matchups uh, that we have coming up that we know of. We only know 
of two series for sure yeah. with two days left. And out west, we, we know the eight teams, but the only thing we know for sure is the Blackhawks will be the one seed and the Flames will be a wild card, although we're not sure which wild card spot. And, of course, back in the east, we still have one playoff spot up for grabs, most likely going to be Toronto. Uh, but if they don't take care of business this weekend, could open the door for either Tampa Bay or the Islanders. Yeah, well, with Toronto, they could either miss the playoffs entirely or go as high as the number two seed hosting the first-round game. Um, so there's not Although quite Ottawa's as much pretty, settled as we – Yeah, Ottawa, Ottawa looks Ottawa good right now. They're up. Yeah. Uh, the last I saw, they were up 2 nothing late in the second, and they have two games left. And if they get two points – they will definitely they will lock up that uh, two seed that uh, neither Boston with only one game left and Toronto at ninety three can catch them. And Toronto's two last games are Pittsburgh and Columbus, so they've got a tall task ahead of them if they want to move forward. They could easily lose those teams and let either your New York Islanders or the Tampa Bay Lightning and Islanders have a game in hand hand over Tampa, right? So does Toronto. They do. They have the uh, – and, it, and it, it comes down to also the ROW, the regulation overtime wins. So it's also how those teams mm-hmm. win. Uh, the formula for the Islanders to get in is they, in the last two games, they cannot have Toronto get any more than one point. And, and, and if that happens and they win their last two games, uh, not in the shootout variety, uh, they will, believe it or not, be going to the postseason. But – I would put those chances at about 5%. Uh, ironically, especially if Ottawa holds on and wins this game this afternoon, they, they go to the uh, go to Brooklyn tomorrow to play the Islanders. I think of the Islanders' two games remaining, the, the one uh, that, that would be more difficult uh, will probably be the devil game tonight in New Jersey. But, uh, but still, right. i got to figure – I got to figure that Toronto is going to get two points some way, somehow. I know they're playing two tough teams, but uh, and I know they want uh, Columbus is not having a good afternoon, so maybe that might fire up Tortorella for tomorrow's game uh, if it matters. But I, I, I got to just think that with those teams pr- set uh, and also resting players who have bumps and bruises, Toronto Toronto's got to find a way. I I, I would be. Very surprised if uh, Toronto is not uh, not in getting that last spot. I would put it at at minimum ninety percent. Yep, yep. Well, I wanted to talk with Dana a little bit here to kick things off. Um, some construction news on the Las Vegas Strip this week, which kind of odd. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I'm in the construction industry, and the, I can't barely find any news on this, but they have started moving dirt on the long-rumored, often delayed, Jackie Robinson All-Net Resort and Arena, which if the plans that are they're going forward with now are the same plans back in 2013-14 that they started with, then that means they're going to have a 22,000-seat arena built on the old Wet n' Wild site. Um, have you been able to find it? Because I've been looking high and low. That's, I mean, that's the big job. That's $1.9 billion resort, which was on the book. And they have started moving dirt there. So have you heard anything aside from that regarding this project? Uh, I can tell you this. I'm completely shocked that they are moving forward with this. 
Um, I'm sure SLS is ecstatic that this thing is going up, but um, honestly, the Fountain Blue as well. Team, uh, well, Fountain Blue as well, uh, for sure. Yeah. But Fountain Blue has to actually get built first. <laughs> but yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> you know the, the fact. You know, it's been seventy percent done for seven years. But um, yeah, you know. The, Hey, look, I'm all for more arenas in town. That's that's great. But we all know that T-Mobile was built for the National Hockey League. It was built for the NBA. And in fact, the uh, MGM, the folks at the MGM already have the Las Vegas Aces as a, as a, as a domain name that they own and the website that they own. So, you know, their focus is on the, on the NBA. And I know when this project started, you know, Jackie Robinson talked about this is where we want to put an NBA team. So, you know, that, you know, give him a lot of credit. I really do because uh, with T-Mobile being built, it'd be very easy for him to say, "Ah, okay, we're done here. Uh, But this is a major, major resort and arena. And it will be very interesting to see how this plays uh, into the landscape of Las Vegas. But um, for me, I, I, you know, I want an NBA team to come here, but I want the NBA and NHL to play in the same arena. I think it would be kind of interesting to have two separate arenas, one for NBA and one for hockey, because I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, that would be the first city to do that. Uh, well, I know Minnesota did it for a while, um, you know, because the the T Wolves and the uh, the T Wolves and the Wild, I don't believe, played in the same arena. I think last time I was in Minnesota, I saw both of them. I might be wrong on that, but um, I don't know, man. I hey, look, you take a look, take a step back on this, and just go. Do you feel? Does this feel right? Does this feel like something that? is going to come to fruition or something that's going to be run in the right way. And and, and no no disrespect to Jackie in any way, shape, or form, but I feel just a little bit more – I have a lot more confidence in the MGM to get this thing done and to run it the right way than I do um, uh, a a private entity. And that's just kind of the way I feel on that. No, you're probably right. Jackie Robinson being not the Jackie Robinson, of course, but the former UNLV NBA basketball player. Um, yeah. So, I mean, interest, interesting development, interesting development. Something we definitely keep our eye on. So if we keep track of that, you've got $1.9 billion going on the north end of the Strip. You've got another $2 billion going mid-Strip with the con- convention center expansion. Another $4 billion across the street with Resort World and two more billion dollars going into the NFL stadium. So if my math is right, in the next three years, we're looking at another $10 billion expansion of all facilities across the Las Vegas Strip. Can we put to rest now that there's no money in Vegas and we won't be able to support any of these teams? Oh, that's, you know. I've never (laughs) come on to begin with anyway. And by by the way, uh, the Wild play at XL and – and of course, the T Wolves play at the Target Center, so we got that um, confirmed. But um, yeah, no, I've never been under that impression. I know this city know. can support multiple teams. There are cities that are smaller than us that that easily support multiple teams. So there's no reason why we can't 
when we also have a pool of 42 million people to choose from every single year. And then to clear up one thing from last week, just in the interest of keeping our keeping our nose clean here, Brian Blasting, your co-host on the Vegas Talkie Hotline, there Monday through Friday, weekdays <laughs> at one o'clock. Uh, yes, we were talking about can can the Knights uh, make deals with with players and have their other teams retain salary specifically from the expansion draft? And Brian cleared that up. No, they cannot. Uh, teams cannot retain salary in order to get rid of a player in the expansion draft. That's correct, right? Yes, that is correct. Yes, so he was uh, quick to point that out. And Brian likes to hear his name on any platform available, so we'll give a shout-out to Blessing for clearing that out for us. Up for, us. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Now, there's, I mean, there's so many still to this day. I mean, we're, we're two months away, and there's still so many moving parts and questions to be answered that, um, it's, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm all over this. You're all over this. And, and uh, we still have questions about what can and can't happen. So it's going to be a pretty fluid situation all the way down to probably until they – skate them out on the ice in the unveil there June 22nd, 23rd at T-Mobile. Yeah, what's great about it is we'll actually get a list and we don't have to worry about trying to make up our own, which I, I've spent a lot of hours right. trying to do that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, they fully we, we'll get the list and, you know, this is these are the guys that we can choose from and we'll, we'll, we'll probably all come up with our expansion draft list. But uh, that, it's certainly Again. a lot easier <laughs> for – for, again, for people that are trying to do that. And it's certainly a lot better for the league to create an interest. And we talked to uh, National Predators uh, GM David Poyle this week, and I asked him, I said, look, right. you know, David, what, what kind of conversation are you going to have with your players in relation to being left um, exposed in the expansion draft? And, you know, he flat out said, you know, what we've kind of been saying for a while is, and these guys know. These guys are going to know who they are going to or who's going to be left unprotected. And you might have one or two guys that are, you know, absolutely surprised by it. But, you know, you just go up to them and you, you talk to them like a man and say, look, this is our situation. And I think, uh, you know, most of them will understand as the uh, Ottawa Senators take a 3 uh, nothing lead with 13.41 to go in the game over the Rangers. There you go. So, so Chris, go ahead and jump on in. We, I'm tracking down. Uh, we got a caller on the line, so go ahead and jump in with with Dana just for a second while I track this down. Sounds good. That's, I'm sure that's our first guest, Matt, Matt, Matt Pryor. So, uh, so Dana, kind hey, uh, uh, of hold off until we uh, really kick in on 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 the series and stuff. But uh, is of the teams fighting for that last spot, which are probably the winner of uh, which is going to draw the Capitals, do you see any of them giving the Capitals a hard time? Well, I mean, honestly, for me, if for the ones that are not in it already, like if if it's Toronto, um, I think Toronto could give them a difficult time just due to the fact that they get a ton of pucks to the net. I think they can match them offensively. Um, I, you know, do I think that about say a team like the Islanders? No, I don't. Um, and the one thing I like about Toronto too, is if you look at their current form over the last month, this is not a team that has been going backwards offensively. They, they are and have been very consistent. And despite the fact that they're on the younger side, 
uh, they've maintained their ability to get a ton of pucks to the net. So I think if you're a team that's able to do that, I mean, I kind of get behind those types of teams like Pittsburgh and Toronto and even even Boston. I keep going back and forth on with them uh, because, again, there's another team that, that puts a ton of shots on net. Uh, the first half of the year, they weren't, they just weren't getting them by goaltenders, but that seems to have uh, straightened out uh, since Cassidy took over. So, you know, Toronto would be the team for me of the teams that are not in right now that would be the most dangerous, but I know other people would say Tampa Bay. But, uh, Chris, honestly, I, I if Tampa Bay gets in, good for them, but I think it will be just a situation where uh, they'll exhale and say, ah, we made it and got in and just are not able to push themselves enough to take on a team like Washington. See, for me, it is Tampa Bay, and I'll tell you why. I, I, I like what you said about Toronto. I just think they're, uh, Washington will exploit both their blue line and uh, the youngsters' inexperience in NHL playoffs. Uh, in terms of Tampa Bay, uh, you know, this is a team that, that had big plans for this year. I know Stamkos is not going to be around for that first round, but, you know, Last year, they were a game away to get getting to the Stanley Cup Final. The year before, they were in the Stanley Cup Final. So this is a team used to, uh, you know, winning big series, beating big teams. I mean, they played the Penguins tougher than anyone. Uh, you know, Vasilevsky uh, played pretty much the whole uh, Eastern Conference Final. So he had right. that under his belt. Guys like Hedman and Strollman now, uh, I like to see them be a little bit deeper, but they're going to play 30 minutes a night. So... And as opposed to you know a little bit less, so that will that will help. Uh, now, don't get me wrong; I still expect Washington to win that series. But if I was a Capitals fan, that's the team I wouldn't want to see come the middle of next week. Uh, you know, the Islanders, uh, you know, obviously near and dear to my heart, but uh, and good for them for keep pushing. But you know, Tavares's situation is up in the air. He's week to week with an injury. Without uh, they're going to be without Casey Sezikis and Travis Hamannick. I mean, they're depth on defense. They could survive the Hamannick injury, but not having Sezikis, who is a great uh, complementary center, does everything. So uh, I, I would feel it's and I, I'm and Boston is kind of the same thing, although they're experienced. Uh, and I, I think Boston is going to take care. I forget who they played today. Uh, I don't know if you have that they handy play, there, Dana. But yeah, they play Washington uh, today. Oh, uh, okay. Well, Washington has nothing to play for, so I'll be curious. Uh, if Boston can win that game, I believe they will clinch at least the three seed uh, 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 in the Atlantic. So uh, I, I would behoove them to do so. Uh, I, you know, obviously a Boston-Ottawa series would be a pretty close series, although Ottawa really uh, took it to them. Uh, I believe they swept them uh, uh, this year in, in, their, in their games head-to-head. So, uh uh, I guess we're waiting for Mark here. Um, out west, do you do you have a team for me that that you think can challenge the Blackhawks? Uh, yeah, I, I've look. I've been down with the Edmonton Oilers from from day one. I mean, I, I think it's and I and I know if both of these teams when we talk about Toronto and Edmonton, you know, a lot of guys are like, yeah, I think they're just think they're a year away. But you know, here's the thing, I, you know, for these teams that people think that are a year or two away. I I'm looking for, you know, the second half to there to be some black spots and, and their second half. And, and I just haven't seen that with Edmonton. Um, And not only that, I mean, they're as healthy as any team 
going into the playoffs. And look, you got to. I I have always said this, and and it's not because Lucic came from Boston or whatever. I just think Lucic gives you this this grit, and I know sandpaper seems to be a popular word as of late. But I think Lucic is just one of those guys. If you put him on the line with McDavid and Drysaddle, I, I think that's a that's a pretty formidable line. And again, you know, going uh, going on the theme of of teams that can put pressure on opposing goaltenders. I mean, I think they're as good as anybody in the West to do that. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and bring in Matt Fryer. Matt. Uh, oh, okay. Here we go. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, sir. You're there, right? Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. All right. Sorry to keep you waiting that long. I'm having a little issue with the software on Blog Talk today. They keep kicking, they keep kicking us around a little bit, but we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. Thanks for coming in today, sir. Uh, it is my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad to be back on with you guys talking hockey. So uh, we, we, we're just talking about teams that might be able to challenge some of the the upper crust teams that are, are already in. We were kind of hoping to have a little bit more set in stone here to do this show, but no no worries with us. And he went through the through the east and kind of kind of thinks that Toronto can jump up and and take a bite out of somebody were they to get in. Chris Chris threw out the experience factor with Tampa Bay should they get in, and unfortunately the. Uh, the Panthers are not going to be making it in for you to continue covering through the postseason. So give us your dark horse in the East. Oh, my dark horse in the East. You know, I, I think I'm going to go with the Rangers. I, I think if, if Ooh. Henrik Lundqvist can, can uh, shake off the, the funk that he's been in, um, I think, I think they've got a shot. Uh, and, well, and I was thinking myself, the the Rangers, they might be the best wild card team since the 2012 Kings, and that get that would you know saying that that for me that gives them every chance to go deep into the East. Yeah, but you are yeah, right I, about I think the series because they put up a they put up a stat in today's game. He's three five and three in his last ten, and it looked like he's going to. The three six and three in his last eleven. Yeah, and he's he's had I know a hip injury uh, that he's been dealing with, but supposedly he's healthy. Uh, you know how hush hush they are about these things. We'll we'll find out at the end of the season. Yeah. I'm sure that his hip has been held on with duct tape. But uh, if if that's not the case, if he really is healthy, if he can get back to vintage. King Henrik, I, I think they can get past Montreal and then really do some damage. One of the few first-round series that is set right now would be the Rangers-Montreal series. Is uh, Without a healthy Lundqvist or even a somewhat healthy Lundqvist, the Rangers can't get past a healthy Carey Price and company, can they? You know, maybe I'm going to hedge my bets here. Maybe it, because <laughs> the the Rangers, uh, other than Lundqvist, the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know, I'm considering a career in politics, so I'm practicing fence sitting. There you right go. Now. You're, you're right there. You're right there. 
<laughs> but but really, the the Rangers, other than bumps and bruises, uh, they're in pretty good health going into the playoffs. Whereas Montreal, you've got Shea Weber dealing with a lower body issue. Alexei Emlin has a lower body issue. Jordy Ben has an upper body issue. And none of those guys played last night, uh, and so if you if if those guys aren't ready to go or if they're not a hundred percent against the Rangers and their offense, I, I, Carey Price is going to have to stand on his head. And I mean, obviously he's capable of doing that, but he's going to have to do it for a seven game series. And uh, I, it's going to be interesting to watch. I, I don't know if he can or not. The Rangers team I'm watching this morning, um, either they're still asleep or whatever, but Ottawa's really taking it to them. I don't, I might have to go against you there. I don't. I think Montreal gets out of that first round matchup myself, even though I, I you know, I just said they may be the best team and to get get a wild card spot since that 2012 Kings team. Um, if if this is just a sleepwalker game, put it behind us. Let's go to the playoffs. That's one thing. But if this is indicative of the Rangers team we're going to see going forward into the playoffs, um, I don't know if it's going to be a seven game series. Chris, uh, since since this is one of the series that, that is set in stone, let's focus a little bit on this. Um, let me get your thoughts on, on Rangers-Canadians. Yeah, I've had a hard time coming to a conclusion. I think uh, a few minutes uh, waiting for the show to start, I finally uh, got over the hump. Uh, I just came up with more reasons. And, look, I really feel that this series will be a seven-game series. And I would, uh, if there was an odds out there that not only will it go seven, uh, it would go to overtime. Uh, I would, I would place a two dollar wager on that. <laughs> what I'm saying, so if I'm saying that, uh, you know, who I'm picking, uh, I'm basically saying, you know, flip a coin, uh, quite honestly. But uh, assuming that, you know, someone like Shea Weber, who they're just resting down the stretch like some other teams are doing. And it's not a, a big issue. But I, I came to the conclusion of, you know, obviously besides Carey Price, I think Ranger fans will uh, be cursing the name of Andrew Shaw about halfway through the first period of game one of that series. Yeah, I think he'll be an absolute test and uh, be a factor. That's what that they got series. him for. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, think we, we, I think we talked about it at the trade deadline uh, bringing in guys like Brandon Davidson, Dwight King. Uh, I think they're going to get physical with some of those young Ranger forwards. Uh, Shea Weber obviously will, will be leading the charge in that as well. And a huge thing, you know, when we think about the Rangers uh, the last few years, you know, four years ago, obviously they got to the cup final. And the year after that, they were one game away, uh, lost 2 nothing at home to Tampa. And a huge staple of that team, was uh, defense and, and killing penalties. And, you know, their defense, uh, I guess, has been kind of up and down. Uh, you know, Ryan McDonough will get huge minutes, but their penalty kill has been abysmal the last couple of years. Although, ironically, I think they lead the league in shorthanded goals. So uh, they have the going in. But they are, they are uh, 20, 22nd in the league in penalty, penalty okay. kill this year. Short-handed goals notwithstanding. Right, so you, you, to, to your point, sir. Yeah, and I think the Canadians are around a top ten power play uh, in the, uh, the around tenth. So that will be you, you know. So I add all that up, 
uh, you know, and ironically, the Rangers have been very strong on the road and, and really not good at home. But uh, I, I'm going to say Canadians in seven and a, uh, an OT winner uh, in seven. Uh, we'll give it to Dwight King, the ex-LA King. <laughs> You're uh... – <laughs> Well, at least you did go out on a limb. Jeez, that's uh, you might be the only <laughs> Chris, you might be Chris the only one on that limb, sir. <laughs> Chris, I think Chris hopped off the limb, hopped off the fence, and set it on fire behind him. <laughs> I think he burned it down. Dana, Dana, what what are you looking at as far as that first round series? Yeah, I I concur. Uh, I think it's going to be a seven game series. I'm I'm right with uh, most of what he said. Um, I think physically, physically, uh, I when I went back and watched Montreal and the Rangers the last couple of days because you know that's what I got going on in my life, and you know physically right. the Rangers didn't want anything to do with Montreal, and, and I think that they're just going to go in and play that style of hockey. If they win it in six, it's it's going to be because they they wore them down uh, over the last month or so. I just. I don't, you know, the start of the year, I sat there and watched the Rangers and said, wow, this team is fast. They're going to really make some noise because they looked fast in, in, uh, against most of the teams they played in the first month. As the season wore on, I stopped kind of thinking that way about them. They do have some injuries that they're battling. Uh, some of it might be just, you know, getting – uh, you know, getting some personal time. I know Nash is kind of battling some injuries, but um, you know, to me, I think it's going to Montreal is going to go in there and out physical them, and, and I it, it's just a matter of does that wear on them in six or does that wear on them in seven? Um, but of course, you know, when you're talking about goaltending, as great as Lundqvist is, I'm going to still side with Carey Price, and and I like Montreal in that series in seven games. Now let's uh. Over to the other series that's pretty much locked up, right? Pittsburgh, Columbus. Columbus Columbus having all kinds of franchise records this year. Really, maybe you could point at this as being the signature season in, in Columbus Blue Jacket hockey history. Um, can they, Do they have anything for the defending Stanley Cup champions in that series? Well, you know, a lot of people think that they do. I mean, a lot of people are – are off of the Penguin bandwagon. I, I happen to not be one of them. In fact, I have the Penguins on, on the top of my power ratings. But, you know, it, it, as long as they have a guy named Sidney Crosby, I'm more than happy to, to back them. I, I do I do want to see Columbus uh, in, in a year or two. I'm just not sure they're where they need to be right now. Over the last month or so, it's not a reflection. You can even take out their 16-game winning streak. It's not a reflection of who they were to begin the season. So I, I'm not sure if they're going to if they're a, a reflection of what their record says they are at this point. But I'm going to ride the Pittsburgh Penguins all the way through the playoffs until they lose. And you know they seem to get healthy. We know we know Crystal Tang is not going to be uh, available, but you still I still expect Justin Schultz and Trevor Daly. I uh, expect those guys to, to step up their game, even a guy like Ron Hainsey to give them a physical presence. I just think at this point they're better than Columbus, although Columbus has had a fantastic year, and I expect this to be a, a six-game series. Now, Matt Pryor used to cover to the Columbus game. Blue Jackets. Now, Matt Pryor used to cover the Columbus Blue Jackets, if memory serves correct. So, so Matt, what do you say about this series? And 
And how big of a loss, not just for this series, but overall, is it for the Penguins to lose Latang, who played, I think, roughly about 30 minutes a game in the playoffs last year? Well, the the loss of Latang is huge, no question about it. Uh, I I do agree with Dana that there there are guys who can step up in his absence, but they can't truly replace him. Uh, now, of course, the Crosby and Malkin factor that that could offset the loss of Latang as well. And I I think more than Latang's absence, the Blue Jackets' performance the last few weeks has me really concerned. I don't know if it's because of the compressed schedule, but the Jackets are one of several teams that are kind of slumping into the playoffs. And unless they can magically flip the switch, you know, I mean, they – Today, just today, they scored their first power play goal since March 13th, and wow. it, it's not good. Things are not looking yeah. good for the Jackets. That isn't good. <laughs> uh, if, if they, yeah. If, if they can't flip the switch, uh, then I think this series is going to be over fast, and, and the Penguins are going to move on now. Will the Penguins get past the Capitals in the second round without Latang? I, I don't know about that, but yeah, this first round series could be short and and not at all sweet well, for the Jackets. Well, let's jump over and look at the West a little bit. We have a couple of playoff series there that we can kind of focus on. And while we're at it, I'm going to set a, uh, a Vegas hockey podcast personal record with four callers on the Vegas Hockey Podcast hotline here and bring in <laughs> our other guest of the day, J.D. Stiles from Cali Sports News, NHL editor and L.A. Kings contributor. J.D. from Toronto, how are you this morning or afternoon where you are, sir? Oh, yeah. Finally, J.D. Stiles is back on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and I'm doing very well. We Thank you guys it. for bringing me back on the show. No problem. We missed you a little bit. I hope everything uh, hope everything was going okay for you guys up there. We were thinking about you as you were going through all that. So uh, God bless you guys, and, and we hope everything is coming back together for you. Oh, we def- like we appreciate it, and thank you, Mark and Chris, for uh, for those kind words um, with the stuff that my wife and I were dealing with with our family situation and everything. We really appreciate it. It's why we love you guys. All right, all right. Well, we just uh, we just had a little quick look through the through the east, and now uh, since since we got you on here, a real real quick, uh, we have a non-playoff team that you that you cover quite extensively, missing the playoffs for the second time in three years. So give me a little give me a little off-season task sheet for the for our beloved Los Angeles Kings. Oh man, uh, where do I start, Mark? <laughs> Um, so many uh, messy situations that the Kings need to figure out. Uh, but first, before they decide to do anything when it comes to the roster, and we got, of course, the expansion draft coming up, the free agency coming up, et cetera. Um, and as far as I know, the cap next year, unless they change something, the cap next year will either stay the same or drop a little bit by 500000 or so, which definitely does not help the Kings out since they're so strapped against the cap. So what the Kings first need to figure out is what they're going to do to solve things in-house. And that is, does Daryl Sutter come back next year as the head coach of the Kings 
since he has one year left on his contract. And another thing that I've been hearing is does Dean Lombardi, because one thing people aren't talking about is Dean Lombardi's contract is actually up by the end of this season. And for all the great things that Lombardi did do for the Kings organization since he was hired back in 2006, since 2014, it's been endless mistake after mistake that has really, really hurt the Kings the way they are today, whether it's the players that are out there, whether it's the salary cap, whether it's these very strange contracts that are hurting the team and can't be moved. Could there be a possibility that Lombardi does not even come back? So those are the big things. As I'm hearing from a few sources, a few trusted sources, that the Kings are truly looking of saying thank you, but it's time for a change to Mr. Lombardi and Mr. Sutter and just trying to get some fresh minds and fresh voices behind the bench and up in management to see if they can right the ship. If I can just... Well, I'm a Daryl Sutter fan. Go ahead. If I can just say one thing, Mark, if Dean Lombardi parts ways with with the Kings, I will make myself available uh, uh, the next, uh, the rest of the month in terms of if he wants to look at any uh, you know, any houses, get someone to drive them around on Long Island, uh, take a look at things <laughs> in terms of... Uh, uh, I, I, I'm, you'll be, I'm you'll be the ambassador. You're ready to be an ambassador yeah. Chris, for the New York Islanders. Chris, we already gave you J.F. Berube. We already gave you Berube. We've given you enough. That's all. That's what I'm saying. We've given you enough. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it might just be time for a fresh face behind the bench. And a, and a new, you know, we've been seeing the young kids that they have come up and play for the last, you know, three weeks to a month or so. And there's definitely some talent there. Um, I, I really like Kempe. When he grows into it, I think he's going to be, you know, if they could figure out a way to get rid of Gabarik, I'd like to see Kempe play next to Kopitar for the next 10 years. But I don't like the idea that Dean Lombardi could be let go. Um, he, uh, I think he's one of the best general managers in the league. And, and if, you know, the, the, the thing I will say is that some, some GMs are builders, some GMs are maintainers, some GMs have the, uh, the art of the deal. And I would say that Lombardi's proven that he has the art of the deal and he has the builder tag putting together that team. The maintainer tag is what I, if I was ownership would be wanting to, um, wanting him to work on because, you know, he has given up first round draft picks and the Martin Joneses of the world. And for players like Andre Sakara and Milan Luchitz, who he was unable to resign and, you know, not buying out Mike Richards, you could go back, um, you could go back and pick it apart if you want. But um, if, if he could get these, these young kids, get through the expansion draft, hang on to his assets in this draft and maybe move, move a couple players for a couple more pieces in that entry draft, then, then I think um, the core you have is still able to win a Stanley Cup there. But let's move on from the Kings. I just wanted to get, get your solid opinion on them. Um, from the West, obviously, our, our old friends, the Blackhawks, and I've said it on the show before and I'll say it again, you're not going to kill the Blackhawks and, 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 until they're dead. And that, I mean, you, you could look at the, going into the season where where we thought there was holes there. We thought this they might be coming steps back towards the rest of the Central Division, and Minnesota got out to a great start. and um, And I don't know how much effect this really had, but I know uh, 
Dana and Brian kick around quite a bit that once they change the goalie pads midseason, that Dubnik's been a freaking basket case. Um, can anybody beat the Blackhawks in the West? Let's just go right there to kick it off. Why don't we start with Matt? Okay. You know, I, I would I, I would say that the Blackhawks are lucky that the team that matches up best with them won't be in the playoffs. You know, uh, Winnipeg went four and one against Chicago this season, but they they dodged that bullet this year. Uh, as for the teams who are in the playoffs, I think two could give the Hawks a run for their money. Uh, one is Edmonton, and the other is Anaheim. Uh, I think they they both match up well with Chicago and Edmonton in particular. Uh, they they took two out of three games against the Hawks this season, and Corey Crawford struggled against the Oilers. Uh, he posted in a save percentage of 854 in the two games he played against them. So if the Hawks happen to meet either of those clubs in the Western Conference Final, uh, I think it's it's going to be very interesting. And then what say you, Dana? Are the Blackhawks going to represent the West? You know, I, I completely agree with Edmonton as well. I mean, we talked about this earlier in the show. I'm down with I'm down with Edmonton. I don't I just don't think although it's been a lot better as of late, I still don't love Chicago special teams. And I just think that Edmonton has enough firepower to be able to put enough pressure on just about any team that they'll play to make a lot of noise in the West. Now, whether or not their inexperience hurts them, I don't know. Maybe Lucic is is the one that makes up for that. But uh, the I fact of the so. matter is that, you know, the Edmonton Oilers, for me, are going to be a tough out in the West. And maybe I'm just trying to, to, to will Chicago to get out of that spot, but uh, – and look, I, I've been waiting the same way with Toronto. I've been waiting for both of these teams to kind of go backwards because of their inexperience. Neither one, to me, has done so. And of the two teams, Edmonton, to me, is the team that I think can go the deepest. Now, I remember we were doing our uh, our preseason preview with you, and we were talking about total points over under. And uh, specifically, we were looking at Arizona and Edmonton. And I was ready to buy in on uh, Arizona on the over and Edmonton on the under. And so I had that backwards. Um, and you were you were pretty high on Edmonton going under that point total, too. So you've, they, they've done the show me, don't tell me to you, I guess. And, and where are they actually in your power rankings? Uh, Edmonton's actually uh, bounces between two and three. And a lot of of a wow. lot of what goes into my power rankings is their ability to to control the puck, how many pucks they put on net, which I think is uh, is a huge deal. Now, and this is the problem with Boston. Boston puts a lot of pucks on the net, but the problem is I don't see, I haven't seen over the course of the season, and of course the power rankings are based on the whole season. I didn't see a lot of quality opportunities out of the Bruins, and that's why they kind of went ping-pong back and forth in and out of my heart. Uh, but with Edmonton, uh, that just is not the case. I see them getting a lot of uh, a lot of scoring opportunities. They're a very fast team. I, um, I, I just have not seen that hole that I thought maybe they would step in over the last month or so. In fact, I see them getting stronger. 
I, I, I kind of see that too. It seemed like there's been a couple times here, maybe in the last month or so of the season where they're, they, they had the opportunity not to step up and, and slip down, but they actually, you know, they've, Toronto's of, of all the young teams going into the playoffs that maybe we haven't seen before. And Calgary was in a couple of years ago, but I think this is, is a different squad. Um, they're a little bit more mature this time around. Toronto's impressed me the most about they they had a three and seven, three, seven and two clip there at the end of uh, February, middle of March, but the, mm-hmm. Toronto's really righted the ship. And I think they're going into the playoffs on, on maybe the, the highest note of all the younger teams. Um, but Edmonton right there as well. Um, I, they I'll, have shown I'll the just, maturity that, that is missing. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me just chime in about them. I, I'll tell you the two games that really showed me what Edmonton was about was, believe it or not, their back-to-backs that they had a couple of, uh, about a week or two ago against uh, Colorado. These are games, especially after they win the first game easily on the road at 7-4, to and then they come back at home and play Colorado as well. I mean, those are two games that they could have easily laid down for and not played well in. They showed me a lot by winning both of those games by uh, comfortable margins in both. So I, I, after those two games, I said, you know what? Uh, this is a team that not only uh, that, uh, that I think is, is as good as anybody offensively, but this is, team, this is a team that's got a little bit of moxie and doesn't play down to the level of their competition. No, the, those two games absolutely show that their, their heads are, you know, they're not, how do you put that? They're not um, reading their own press clippings, if you will. You know what I mean? They still show up even against teams that, that maybe the, they're seeing that they're supposed to beat. Yeah. But then to come out and actually put a hurting on them, that shows me that their head's in the right place and, and not um, maybe looking past those two. You know, at the time, they still had – the Kings were nipping at everybody's heels and they still had three games left against the Kings where those those six points – were going to be very important to the Oilers. Well, they it turned out not to be the case, but um, um, so to keep their head in it and get the points where where they were supposed to get them. Actually, I, I agree with you 100%. JD, um, Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, other than other than if they do meet the Oilers, because I think we've covered that that enough from that angle. Um, what do you see for the number one seed in the West, sir? Well, yeah, I agree that Chicago is going to be the team to beat again. And kudos to GM Stan Bowman, who just finds new and different creative ways every year to keep that team competitive and one of the top teams in the league. Of course, keeping the core intact and just replacing the the other parts and and making them perfectly fit in that machine. Um, I like what you guys were saying about Edmonton. At the beginning of the season, I wasn't the biggest Edmonton fan because I did I wasn't too sure about them defensively or goaltending-wise, and my hats off to them as well as they play very well this season. I believe they're seventh with goals against overall in the NHL. But as we all know, the playoffs are a totally different season, a totally different uh, type of animal where everything is intensified by 100 to to 1,000 percent. So everything changes with tight checking and intensity and everything. So anything that happens in the regular season is out the window when it comes to matchups in the playoffs. But, you know, Edmonton speed and everything, I like what you guys were saying. I just want to say, I just want to throw out there, 
Um, don't forget about the Nashville Predators. And some people, like I've mentioned this, people are like, what? The Preds? Come on. They've disappointed all year this year. And I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe, sure. Uh, Pecky Rainey has not played like Pecky Rainey has in the past. But there's a few things that I have liked about Nashville, at least since the last 25 games or so of the season that they have played. Um, I really like the, their back four, their defensive back four, meaning like when the games get tough, the games get tight, and you're going to have to shorten the bench. I like when they throw out P.K. Subban out there or or Ellis or, uh, or Roman Yossi or Matthias Ekholm. And uh, I'm not the biggest analytics guy, but, you know, just looking at like the guys at Kelly Sports News who do know that stuff and just showing me that, like in the last 25 games, those are kind of the four guys you want to have at the back when those games are tight, uh, when, you're, when you need to go for that win. And uh, they're one of the – Best four defensemen you can roll out uh, within the top 30 in the NHL for nearly 50 minutes per game played. And that's an advantage that a lot of teams actually don't have right now at this point in the season. And I think that'll make it very interesting, especially if they can hold the fort and get Pecky Rennie to play like Pecky Rennie at least used to play, that Nashville at least can be a sleeper and maybe make a challenge. Because you never know, right? Chicago on paper Chicago is Chicago. We don't even really need to analyze them too much. Chicago is Chicago, and they've been dominant for like seven years, right? But things happen. What if there's injuries? What if there's slumps? What if there's whatever? I like what you guys are saying about Edmonton, but, you know, can they play in a high-intensity, tight-checking situation? Can Ryan Nugent Hopkins endure the highly physical matchups at center? I just say, and if it's not going to be the Oilers, I like where Nashville is going, and we can't count out, even though I wish we could, the Anaheim Ducks. It's no longer the Bruce Boudreau <laughs> Anaheim Ducks, which, which a lot of us Kings fans like Mark would know, we like to make fun that with Boudreau, they can play great, they can win the Pacific Division, they could be one of the top seeds, but get them to a Game 7, and they're as good as done. Well, Boudreau is gone, and what is old is old again, as they brought back head coach Randy Carlisle, and of course he was the coach that led them to the 2000 Stanley Cup victory. And even though there's been problems between him Corey Perry and Getzloff in the past and Perry and Getzloff have not had the seasons uh, that they've had before where they've been highly productive if the Ducks, and I hate saying this, but if the Ducks can get their act together and they can get some solid goaltending from former King Jonathan Bernier and John Gibson, that they too will be a very tough team to take out. And without Boudreaux maybe they can even win a game seven but I think Chicago is the top seed but Edmonton, Nashville, and Anaheim can give them a run so anything can happen. Well, let me uh, let me throw it over to Chris here real quick. He had uh, another little tidbit about the Oilers, and since that is really the other uh, the other matchup in the West there that's pretty much set in stone, um, Oilers Sharks. Yeah, well, and I know Chris wanted to get Matt's take want, on one thing, so jump in, Chris. Yeah, I actually want to get uh, Matt and JD's take on something, but uh, it sounds like everyone on the panel here is buying the Oilers. Well. I guess I'm the lone voice that would say sell, and this is why. One, uh, I, I'm not in love with their I, I, with their blue line uh, come this postseason, and uh, it's still to me uh, a, a concern. Two, almost this entire roster has zero playoff experience. Uh, three, why can't I remember his name? The guy on the Flyers who really got under the skin for McDavid. Uh, uh, if I whoever matches up with the Oilers, which will probably be the Sharks, there will be two or three guys 
who will try to do the same thing to McDavid and, and be physical with him. I still expect McDavid to play extremely well, don't get me wrong. But uh, and, and then four, Cam Talbot has never, I believe, started a playoff game. He might have did a relief appearance uh, in a game or two with the back with the Rangers uh, when uh, there might have been an injury or something like that. I'm not sure if he has, but uh, they're going to have to count on him. So I am on the sell camp. The Oilers' future looks good, uh, but uh, n- not yet for me. And I guess my uh, my question, and we'll start with Matt and then go to JD. Uh, the Capitals, in terms of the Eastern Conference guys, uh, who do you think is their p- biggest potential uh, matchup problem? Obviously, everyone would have thought the Penguins, but with the loss of Latang, is it still Pittsburgh? We'll start with Matt. You know, I I think it has to be Pittsburgh, even without Latang, uh, just just because of the history between the two teams. The uh, again, the Crosby factor, the Malkin factor. Um, I yeah, I I think in a nutshell, it's it's got to be Pittsburgh. What did say you, JD? You know what? I think Washington's biggest obstacle is themselves. I mean, this is a team that on paper has been, well, in theory, pretty solid the last few years, but for whatever reason cannot get over the hump of getting past the second period. But I'm really liking Washington's chances this year. There's something about Pittsburgh. I know they're defending Stanley Cup champions, and as was just mentioned, like Chris Letang is going to be out. He's injured and everything like that. But, I, but I'm wondering if this is finally the year where Washington is just going to give her. And for an example, last season, we'll use the West as an example, where San Jose Sharks had a hard time getting over the hump. The St. Louis Blues had a hard time getting past the second period. Both made it to the conference final with San Jose making it to the Stanley Cup final. And I feel like Washington is now in that position where where Ovechkin is finally annoyed but motivated enough that he really he, – he, he's starting to get sick of all the criticism. He wants to get out there, and he wants to do it, and he wants to get that team to the final. Holtby is now coming to his own and being one of the best goaltenders in the NHL today. Carlson, they got that leader in Justin Williams. Never forget that guy. And a great mind behind the bench with their head coach. That with Pittsburgh, it's like, you know what? They had their miracle, magical standout season last season. Again, Sidney Crosby's playing amazing, and he played till June last year, and he, and he played – he was great in the world cup of hockey as well and he's right up there in the rankings you can never count those guys out you can never count out Melkin but to be honest if there's anyone that's going to be kind of in their way I don't even I I don't Pittsburgh in theory sure but I want to say that one team that might actually stand in their way a little bit um, is either going to be the New York Rangers, who's going to, that's my little sleeper pick in the East because Henrik Lundqvist's uh, window of opportunity is closing to get a chance at that Stanley Cup. And uh, who knows, even the Montreal Canadiens, if Montreal gets by the Rangers, um, Washington sometimes has a little arrogance when it comes to when they're finally out there in the playoffs. If they can not have that and not beat themselves, then they don't have to worry about a Montreal or a Rangers. But those would be the two teams that I think would give them problems. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to do it. Who knows? But, uh, man, Washington will be really, really tough to beat. This could be their year. I kind of I agree with that. Um, real quick, before, before I got to cut back a little bit and let Matt go. I, I got I got JD to give us his off season prognosis for the Kings. Matt, if you could just give us a little bit of uh 
a, a little a little uh, off season look ahead for the Stars and the Panthers before I have to let you go. Um, I'd appreciate that. No, no problem. Uh, for the Stars, uh, first things first, they need a new coach. Uh, I, Lindy Ruff, I yeah, don't Lindy's believe he's going to be back. He'll be in, you know, he'll be in Vegas. It, it's it's quite possible. In fact, I wrote about this just the other day. Uh, I think there are two likely landing spots for Lindy. One is Vegas, and the other is Florida. But I'll I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, as far as the Stars' new coach. My two front runners are Gerard Gallant and Ducks assistant coach Paul McLean. Uh, both of them have a history with Jim Neal, and and uh, at this point, because of course Neal, Ruff, uh, no one in the organization is saying anything other than we're going to sit down after tonight's game and and we're going to talk about the future. But I, I think those two guys are the front runners for coach. Once they get a new coach in place, fixing the goalie situation becomes priority one. And I expect the Stars to fix it before the expansion draft. I, I think they're go- going to get one of Philip Grubauer, Antti Ranta, or Eunice Corposalo. One of those Come on, young man. goalies. Uh, and uh, leave, leave some on the vine, bro. <laughs> Well, hey, they're, they're only going to get one. They're only going to get one. I promise you that. And and then okay. they will protect that goalie. They'll they'll. I believe they're going to buy out Miami. And uh, there's been some talk of buying out Letnan as well, but I just don't see it because then you've got about a 4.5 million dollar cap hit for the next two years for the for the both of those goalies. Whereas Letnan's contract is up next year. So I, I see them keeping Lettman as a backup uh, for this young goalie. And uh, then beyond that, they've got forward some forward turnover. I don't think they're going to re-sign Sharp, Hemsky, or Hoodler. They will try to bring Nachushkin back from Russia. And uh, the biggest question is Matthias Janmark. Will he be able to return from from his injury and and be at 100%? It's it's a strange. Uh, congenital condition that he's known about for years and it just it flared up he had to have surgery and and they say there's about an 80 percent chance of him making a full recovery and uh, talking to him just a few weeks ago he still doesn't know really we won't know until September if he's going to be able to play next season and, uh, well, real quick, speaking of strange been, conditions, I want to just give a shout-out of best wishes to Kyle Oposo. Um Buffalo Sabres, no one really knows what uh, what the deal is with that, but since you brought up strange conditions, that was a scary situation for Kyle this week, and he, he did, I did see this morning he that he has maybe get been checked out of checked out of the hospital, and that's good news Correct. for everybody involved, right? Yeah, but we don't that know the results. Yeah, we don't know the results and all that kind of stuff. So, so we hear that good right. news. But yeah, it is. Uh, anytime you hear you're in the ICU, any uh, I can say this from experience. I mean, in any ICU, and let alone neurological, and uh, it's it, it's it's scary stuff. So uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I know it's affected all the Islander players uh, out here. They've been writing about that as well. So, uh, and then real quick, Matt, in terms of the Panthers. Uh, they already said they're going to have a new coach. 
will Tom Rowe be the GM? Will there be a change in the roster? What say you about them? Well, yes, they do need a new coach. And, and like I said before, I think Florida is a, another potential landing spot for Ruff because he's he's got a history there. He was an assistant coach with the Panthers in their expansion season, their inaugural season, and he was with them up through their cup run in 96. And uh, he remembers that time well. And it, I, it, it all depends where Ruff lands to me, depends on his personal priorities. I, I can see where he would view Vegas as just an incredible opportunity to start with a blank slate. And because he was with the Panthers in their inaugural season, he's got that experience with an expansion team in a non-traditional market. Um, uh, but I, I, if he wants to win a cup sooner rather than later, then Florida is the place to go because I, I think they are very close to being a contender. The, I mean, this was a terrible season, disappointing season, but they've got the pieces in place. They maybe need to do just a little tinkering, and I think they can be a contender with the right coach, and Ruff could be that coach. It could be a match made in heaven for them. As far as Tom Rowe, the organization is saying that he will have a place in the front office, but they, I thought it was telling that they didn't come out and say he will still be the GM going forward. So perhaps power is shifting back toward Dale Talon there. We're just going to have to wait and see how that plays out. Uh, as far as the roster, I expect them uh, in the expansion draft to lose uh, Petrovic, to Vegas, and that, which would be a great pickup for the Golden Knights. Uh, they'll yep. replace him with Ian McCoshin. Uh He'll be another rookie coming up. So really all they're going to need is a, a veteran depth defenseman, seventh defenseman. Uh, as far as forwards, you know, there's the, the annual will he or won't he? Will Yager come back for another year? It's, it's looking like he's going to. Because I, I think he wants another run at the Cup, and I, I think he's going to keep coming back until either the the legs won't get him there anymore or he gets at least another shot at the Cup. So I think he'll be back. Maybe the biggest question at forward, though, is will Henrik Borgstrom turn pro after his freshman year here with Denver? Uh, you know, they're playing in the Frozen Four tonight. Borgstrom has had an outstanding freshman year. And uh, I I think at this point the only thing holding him back is is his build. He needs to bulk up. He's six three and I believe weighs one eighty or one eighty five. He's he's probably got to put on about fifteen to twenty pounds of muscle, uh, or else he's he's going to get pushed around a lot at the NHL level. But uh, if he turns pro, I think that makes Nick Bugstad expendable. And I could see Bugstad going to Vegas uh, in a trade, not in the expansion draft. They're, they're not going to expose him. Uh, but I could see him ending up with Vegas, Arizona, uh, a team like that. And, uh, and well, all right, Florida, man. Florida, I, you, think, uh... I think that's just about it. 
All right, buddy. Thanks for coming on again. We always appreciate having you on the show. And we'll talk to you again soon down the road. You guys can follow Matt for all of his Dallas Stars, Florida Panthers content at Big Tech 1926 and go to com for all of his articles posted there. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Matt. All right. Mark, well, let's uh, turn back I, to – If I could, if I could throw yeah. out an idea – uh, if you give me 60 seconds, I'd love to give you my sleeper and then get your thoughts, Dana and JD's, on it. Bust it out. Okay. Um, we talked about them a little bit, but uh, even though they struggled a bit down the stretch, although they're taking care of business today, it looks like, and they'll be the two seed in the Atlantic, which is very important. I, I My sleeper is the Ottawa Senators. And when I say that, I sleeper at least to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, this is a team that has a number of guys who can score goals. Ironically, one of them is Bobby Ryan, but they have a number of guys who can score goals. Eric Carlson's a difference maker. Dion Phaneuf this time of year, his value really props up, and he can get physical and nasty and all that. And Craig Anderson, God bless him for everything he's gone through off the ice, is having a magical year on the ice. So uh, I could see him kind of on a magic carpet ride. Uh, they're either going to get Boston or Toronto in the first round. I like them against either team, and I see no reason why they couldn't beat the Montreal or the Rangers, the winner of that series. So, uh, And then uh, I could see them being kind of a us against the world mentality against the Caps and really pushing the Caps. So I, I think the Ottawa Senators is going to have a, a very, at minimum, very strong spring. So I'd like to hear what you guys think of that. Well, well, let's go to Dana first. Go ahead, Dana. <laughs> for me, I, I I kind of look at them as also kind of limping into the playoffs as well. I mean, over their last 15 games, they're 6-5-4. Uh, I'm not sure if I – you know, I, I guess my feeling is I want to see a team with speed. I want to see a team with a little grit. I want to see – um, a, a team that carries the puck a lot because I think that's what the formula is for going far in, into the uh, into the playoffs. And you know, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier with Toronto and Boston. I think both of those teams are, are teams that do that. I, I just I'm not comfortable enough thinking that off, that offensively that Ottawa is going to be able to match match up with them. I, I look at them and I say, okay, well. You know, I'm I'm looking at Kyle Turris and Mike Hoffman and, and Stone, and I'm thinking, you know, do they really match up in the way that I'm trying to match these teams up um, against the team that against a team like Boston that features Bergeron, Marchand, and, and Pasternak, and I and I just don't think that they 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 match up in that way. Plus, if we can get the real Tuka Rask, whoever that is, to kind of step forward. If we get the, <laughs> if we get the uh, the guy that wins the Vezina in the playoffs, I think Boston can go extremely deep into the playoffs. But you know, if he's wishy-washy and goes back and forth, and you know, you know, just takes two or three games off, like we've seen him do in the regular season, then I, you know, just kind of go back into that gray area with the Bruins. But offensively, in in Line for line, I just I don't think Ottawa's as good as Boston or Toronto for that matter. 
To your point offensively there, Dana, the Senators are the only team going into the playoffs with a negative goal differential on the season. They have scored That'd 207 yeah. goals, and they've allowed 209 goals. And the 207 goals for is by far the fewest goals scored of any playoff team, either West or Eastern Conference. Um, I'm, I'm going through it right now and looking. The Sharks have 218, Ducks 19. But um, if you look, Blackhawks 242, Minnesota Wild surprisingly 263 goals scored this year. Um, Senators' offense may be the may be the challenge for them. What say you, JD? Um, oh, I don't know how the perception of the Senators are down where you are, Mark, out west, or or where you are, Chris, or or. Or anyone else, but I know here uh, in Leaf Nation uh, in Toronto, uh, <laughs> the Senators are known are known as extreme pests, and not because they're gritty, not because of whatever, but because they're a well-oiled machine. And despite you know losing Bobby Ryan, and despite all the personal stuff that uh, uh, Craig Anderson you know sadly has had to deal with and everything, that they're actually a better team than a lot of people like to give them credit for. And it's true that they you know there's more goals against on them than there is goals forward, but they do. Like, they play with their hearts on their sleeve. And as a Kings fan, if I can compare a player to the Ottawa Senators, they are the Trevor Lewis of the NHL. They, they have all the heart, ah. they have all, and, they, and they, you know, they, they go out there and they always want to win. They may not always win. They may not always score that goal, but they definitely play with a lot of heart. And I actually kind of like them as a sleeper pick. I didn't even think about it before until Chris mentioned it. But I can see them pulling something off if they can, uh, if they can get their act together and play strong as they have this season. As I said earlier in the show, you know, the, the playoff season is different than the regular season. And I know, at least with Montreal, they've had Ottawa's number uh, through most of the season. But in the playoffs, things do kind of change. And uh, I, I can see Ottawa kind of slipping by Boston in an upset because, you know what, that happens. That always happens. There's always that one or two upsets where you're like, man, this should not have happened, but yet it happened. And I can see Ottawa going by Boston. But to be fair, if they do end up against I can see them beating the Toronto, uh, but if they go up against the Montreal Canadiens or they go up against the New York Rangers, whatever happens between those two teams, um, and of course with the intensity and tight checking of the playoffs, I can see where maybe they'll hit a speed bump. But you never know. I like them, and I I like the ideas Ottawa as a sleeper, but I don't know how far they're actually going to go deep at least this season. See, I I don't like Boston's blue line at all. I mean, their number one defenseman Chara, who's a Hall of Famer. It's 39, and, you know, uh, he's not on the back nine. He's on the back three or four. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't like their – and I'm a big fan of Tukarask, to be fair to him, uh, with the, the defense he has in front of him. I, I think the stats he puts up is incredible. But, uh, you know, you got to be able to defend, especially in the playoffs. And uh, I, I love Boston's uh, – some of their experienced players and, and, in, and in terms of uh, a two-way player like Bergeron. but. I don't like their defense at all, and I think Ottawa swept them. Uh, now, you know, to be fair, if I'm going to go by that, then I would think they, you know, you would say they wouldn't have a good chance against Montreal. He could throw those records out, but I think Ottawa has a good team uh, that would do well in the playoffs uh, uh, with, with doing a lot of those little things. And I'm telling you right now, Deion Phaneuf is going to be a fiscal force uh, in the playoffs. Funny how perception is, though, as far as defense, and, and I'm not just specifically to the blue line, but this this covers goaltending and team defense as well. 
Ottawa and Bruins have given up the exact same number of goals this year prior to today at 209 goals. So one, yeah, the Boston gives up four less four. shots. Yeah, they're, they're Boston shots, over they're the shots allowed is the best in the league, right? Far less shots. Uh, it's top five for sure. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know in the last month, uh, Boston, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but in the last month, they have to be in the top five as far as uh, shots allowed. And I, and I think uh, Ottawa is much further down the list. Well, you know, when you're carrying the puck, you guys... when you're carrying the puck, you don't have to worry well, about defense as much. That's true. That's true. I'm gonna tell you my uh, dark horse, and it's someone that uh, it's gonna be odd. I'm gonna say my dark horse is the President's Trophy winning Washington Capitals. Um, I know it's uh, dark. It's, you know, it's it's weird to say it's a dark horse when they've blown everybody away this season, outscoring their opposition by a difference of 81 goals only giving up 179 to, to their 260 goals for, but they're going into the playoffs. Last year when they went into the playoffs, they hadn't had a meaningful game in probably three weeks or a month. They had the president's trophy That's wrapped up and now they're going into true. the playoffs on a nine, one and O streak, the hottest team in hockey right now. And I think that that means a lot going into the playoffs. JD will remember two years ago, where uh, the Kings wrapped up their playoff spot and had a very comfortable lead in the Pacific Division and then ended up falling <laughs> falling out of that on the last day and losing their first-round series. It's like once they let their foot off the gas after clinching the playoff spot with like three weeks to go, that was the, the, mentally they never turned you know flipped the switch, turned it back on, whatever cliche you want to use. And I think this Washington Capitals team, having gone through that last year, um, I think I'm – I'm going to say they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm going to say it right now. How about that? I'm, a, I'm, I'm on that limb um, right now. It's, it's weird to say that the President's Trophy team is the, is the, the dark horse team, but I, I think this actually is the Capitals' year. They have, they have the experience. They have the speed. They, they, they can look at the, in the mirror from last season and, and know that that's not where they're headed again. And, and I love the coach. And – I don't know. I could keep going on and on. Someone, someone convinced me I'm wrong that this isn't the capital season, aside from previous playoff collapses that you know they're sort of known for. Um, tell me why this capital squad can't win the Stanley Cup, JD. I can't. I agree with you 100%, Mark. Because mm-hmm. it was like I was saying earlier. What, there, there's, there's something different about Washington this year. Where last year they came across as, as like they, there was an arrogance, like they expected to win once they got into the playoffs. And, of course, they were burned again in the second round. But this year, uh, it's totally different. They're on a mission. And as you mentioned, uh, using the example of the Kings at the end of the 2016 season, when they broke a franchise record of 48 wins, uh, clinched a playoff berth with a couple weeks to go, took their foot off the pedal, and completely collapsed, which they're still collapsing to this day. Uh, Washington is doing the opposite. Washington... Washington are hungry, and you can see that. I've been seeing it all season with these guys. It's like with Ovechkin. There's been a lot of criticisms his whole career, and some of it is deserved. But lately, or for the last few years, it's been building up to where this guy's getting fed up of getting criticized. This guy's getting fed up with being told that he can't win the big one. 
And I'm not talking about the Olympic gold medal, which he hasn't won either. He, the only thing he's ever won is the World Championship gold medal. Nobody really cares about that over here. It's the Stanley Cup. And it's getting to the point now where he wants to win that cup just even to, just to shut people up. And you have Braden Holtby coming into the zone. You got Trotz, you got who's a brilliant mind. They play as a team, they play right. hungry. And now they, they've clinched the president's trophy. They got home ice advantage. And are they taking their foot off the gas? No, they're, they're going into another gear because they're playing like, you know what, guys? Let's stop horsing around and let's win this damn thing. There's a hunger that wasn't there before. And watch out because I also have them as my pick to win the Stanley Cup this year. Okay, okay. Uh, just, um, oh, I, I, some was in my head and then it left my head. So I guess I'll let it just sail on down the road. Dana, how about you? Why can't the Capitals win? Well, I don't really see, you can't really come up with many reasons as to why they can't. Um, you know, for me, I love all those reasons. And I, I, we've said this a lot this year that, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to them this year was they, they had to go through a, a season where they battled, you know, and last year it was yep. a month, month and a half, you know, and they knew that they were going to not only win the division, but they were going to win the president's trophy and they were going to win it quite easily. You know, I, I think all those factors, um, uh, are, are certainly, you know, reasons to, to think that they're going to go deep, and I'm sure that they will go deep. It's just that one factor, the intangible factor that you really can't quantify or put a label on. That I just, I just need to, I just need to see them have some success. Now, now, good for Ovechkin. Ovechkin might actually win a gold medal now that Canada's not sending their team, so he's got that to look forward to. But. <laughs> um, you know the fact of the The fact of the matter is, it's just that intangible factor, and I just need to see them do it, just like I needed to see the Penguins do it last year. Um, and that's why I'm more on the Penguin side than I am Washington. But you know that team that comes out of the East is going to have to go through the gauntlet, and once they get to the finals against whoever they face, uh, you know, do they have enough left to get over the hill? And that's my only, it's my only drawback with the uh, with the Washington Capitals. Well, I did. I did remember what uh, what I wanted to say. You brought up the gold medal again, and I'd like to shout out the USA women's hockey team for winning a thrilling, fun to watch hockey game last night against Canada in, in the World Championships. Uh, Hillary Knight, I believe, was the OT OT winner to bring home gold for the fourth consecutive year for the USA women's team. And I guess with all the all the all the hullabaloo heading into it. Will they play? Won't they play? Whatever. I guess I'll say, Team USA got their money's worth for whatever it was they settled on. Um, congratulations to the U.S. Women's National Hockey Team. Um, just for the record, anyway, I, I always play better when I get. Yeah. Just for the record, I always play better when I get paid too. So there was no surprise in that win. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, I know he wants to talk a little bit about the Sharks. Chris, why don't you jump in? We'll uh, we'll talk about the Sharks for a little bit. I'm, I'm going to save Dana's pick. I got a feeling we'll have Dana back around um, later when we go through some of these playoff rounds. And JD, I did want to know did you uh, did you get credentials for the Cup Finals this year? Uh, not yet. We're still working on it, and hopefully, like last year, we do get them. So we got our fingers crossed, and uh, hopefully, we find out soon. 
All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to bag you to be the Vegas Hockey Podcast Stanley Cup correspondent, sir. When when those credentials come through, and we'll do it again just like last season. But Chris, uh, Chris, go ahead and throw out your throw out your sharks. I know I know you have a couple of questions about the sharks for the, and then we'll let them go on with their Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so I guess for for everyone here, we'll go uh, we'll go JD first, and then Dana. Uh, we haven't really talked much about the Sharks. They've definitely limped down the stretch. But, uh, you know, they're the Western Conference uh, champs, if you will. Um, obviously, you know, it looks like they're going to uh, – they're definitely going to come out of the Pacifica uh, bracket, uh, which I think might be a good thing for them. Uh, J.D., what, you know this team well. What do you expect out of the Sharks? Put a fork in them. They're done. <laughs> the Sharks – are done. The Sharks are wow. here's here's the thing, Chris. The Sharks are burnt out. Why are the Sharks burnt out? Well, for the first time in many of these players' careers, they played till June last year. First time ever for Joe Thornton, who's not a, a young duck anymore. Um same thing with Patrick Marlowe, uh, Burns and uh, Pavelski also in their 30s, though they're younger than the other two. But this is the first time these players have played to, right to the Stanley Cup final, right to the end, into June. Plus, that already makes it a very short summer for these players. But it, what makes it even shorter is right off the hop, then they had to play in something in September called the World Cup of Hockey. Thornton, uh, Couture, Vlasic, Burns had to play with Canada, Pavelski with USA. Canada went all the way to the finals, so there's a lot of uh, elite hockey, top-level hockey that these guys had to play for the first time in their careers in a very short amount of time after a grinding NHL season with a very, very short recovery time of a short summer from the Stanley Cup final when they lost to Pittsburgh to right away playing best-on-best hockey for their country. And next thing you know, they have the grinding 82 season of another NHL season, and now they got the playoffs coming up. I kind of predicted earlier with my article on Cal Sports News before the season saying that uh, the, the Sharks have to watch out for that burnout factor because they're not used to that. And a lot of them played, of course, on the playoffs. And then with the World Cup getting in the way, it kind of made things worse for the older players of the Sharks. And you're starting to see them just kind of collapse, or really, because there's no gas in the tank. And if things stay the way they are standings-wise, and they take on the young gun Edmonton Oilers in the first round of the playoffs, I can see the Oilers taking them out because San Jose is going to be back on their heels and not being able to take on the speed of the Oilers because really, like I said, no gas left in the tank. What do you guys think? Dana, what say you? Yeah, for me, I mean, it's, I, I, uh, I hate to completely agree all the time, but that's exactly what I think too. I, I don't <laughs> think they can match the speed with the Edmonton Oilers. And I, you know, we've seen the Sharks go like six and 10 in the last month and they're just not a team that's going into the playoffs sharp. And, you know, one thing that we really, what I really look for, especially when you're handicapping games is, you know, when, when the playoffs start, which team is going in hot. And we saw last year, even with Washington winning the Stanley, winning the president's trophy, the Pittsburgh Penguins were the team that went into the postseason hot. And of course they rode that all the way to a cup victory. So when you're talking about the San Jose Sharks, uh, they've had a fantastic regular season. I guess it really, it, you know, speaks to, speaks volumes what the Chicago Blackhawks have been continuously able to do because they continuously played 
deep into the summer and then turn right around and go to camp and make another run of it. So, you know, they are able to do it, but not everybody is able to do that. And, you know, we even saw after a while the, uh, you know, the Boston Bruins were kind of a victim of that as well as, uh, and, and of course they made some, some moves that I didn't agree with, but, you know, you know, for me, the San Jose Sharks is, I think they're going to be out in the first round, especially if they, uh, especially against Edmonton and, this is just not a team that's peaking, and six ten, six and ten in the last sixteen is just not going to do it. Mark, and three seven and zero in their last ten well. is. I, I you know, you know well. Dana said he ha- Dana said he hates to agree with everybody, but that just means we've got a very high quality panel on board that knows their hockey, right? Um, and and. <laughs> And I, I agree with with that. I think I think Edmonton I think Edmonton moves on pretty early. Um, I, 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 I don't actually, think it goes seven. I I think uh, two, two, you know two r- right now Edmonton has home ice. I, I I don't know. I'm gonna say Oilers in six. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Forget about the analysis and whatever. I think I think Oilers in six, and I'll just leave it there. I'm going to say uh, Martin Jones and the Sharks power play. No, that's two good points, though. <laughs> I'm not going to wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. I'm on. I'm off the fence. I think Oilers move on, but um, we've seen Martin Jones do it in the playoffs. We haven't seen Cam Talbot do it in the playoffs. If the Sharks power play starts clicking, it's very dangerous power play, one of the most dangerous in the league if they're if they're playing their brand of hockey. But I don't know if they have enough gas left in the tank, like J.D. said. And I, and Dana Dana mentioned one factor that I think is very undersold. I, and in fact, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if they would have made Milan Lucic the sort of interim captain of that team, if you will, until McDavid was a little bit older and, and not put that pressure on him. Although he's, a, he's an exemplary, extraordinary kid that you know we won't see again for another twenty years, most likely. Um, but I think his presence on that team has has done a lot more in the locker room than, you know, than I've heard anybody talk about at all. Having seen Milan play with the Kings for a short period of time and, you know, obviously winning the Stanley Cup and what he meant to that Bruins franchise, um, I think he he brings that element that, that again, another, another element that's hard to quantify, but you know when you see it, and and Milan Lucic brings it, and I think that it might that alone right there um, is enough to change change a franchise. Look what I mean. Go back to Mike Richards um, and what just what he brought off the ice to that young LA Kings locker room in 2011. Um, that one player can make that big of a difference, and I think that Lucic has done that with the Oilers. Yeah, not only that. I mean, don't don't with Edmonton. I mean, don't undersell what Patrick Maroon has meant to this team. I mean, yeah, they're they're young for sure, but they've got some guys on this team that have been in the league for a while, and, you know, certainly Maroon is, you know, at least offensively, is having the best year that he's he's had. And, um, you know, we, we can say, well, you know, Edmonton doesn't really have all that much experience, but they do have some guys on there, including Lucic, that uh, they can all gather around his locker room and look at his ranks. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I, I think I, I got to go with JD, and that that that's uh, 
I think the Sharks are. They're out of gas. They're done for the season. They're going to have to do some, not some major. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting to see what they do with Thornton and Marlowe, both 39 years old, both going into free agency this year. Um, interesting to see what their decisions are. On, I kind of look for Marlowe to be wow. gone, and if Thornton will take a two- or three-year deal, then maybe he'll be back. But it's going to be a different-looking Sharks team next year, I would think. Chris? I have the Sharks uh, moving on uh, in in the first round. All the contrarian, always the contrarian. Yep. Well, you'll I'm be on, a, you'll I'm be on, you'll be able island. to jump on the you'll be you'll be able to jump the on the I told you so. Uh, yeah, you'll be on the I told you so line in a minute or two. Um, tell me why. Tell me why that this team can beat a young, fired up. Um, Oilers team besides well, the obviously, are you just going with the the Martin Jones and the power play? Well, those two things and you know, I'm a huge believer after watching Martin Jones last year. He was tremendous. I mean, he might yep. have been the best player in the Stanley Cup finals. I mean he was I mean the two games that they won, they won because of him. Um, you know, I think Brett Burns is such a hybrid player too that he, he I could see him taking that team on his back. And I mentioned before about being uh, Edmonton in terms of their blue line, a vulnerability, uh, inexperience for most of the players. Um, and again, I, I'm not, you know, I expect a very close series. But at the end of the day, uh, the Sharks have been, been there. And quite honestly, their window is closing, and the, those players know it. So they have to buckle up. And uh, uh, I, I'm not saying that they're going to go to the Cup Final again, but I, I see them getting past this round and, and then let's see who they play at that point. All right. Well, let me uh, let me get JD uh, your final thoughts going into the 2017 Stanley Cup playoffs, sir. And then I'll uh, I'll have to let you go as we're running out of time here, sir. Final thoughts and how I think it's going to go. Yep. Uh, you you already kind of previewed your your pick for. The, thinking the Caps are going to get it all, but um, yeah, final thoughts on on what we can look. Let's tell you what I'll change that question. How about final thoughts on what what potentially could be the most interesting first round series? The most interesting first round series here. You know what? I like the Montreal Rangers matchup. I hope that actually happens. And uh, the reason for that is, as we all know, and I mentioned earlier, Henrik Lundqvist. Um, you know, this is a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, obviously, someday, uh, but has never won the Stanley Cup. But uh, despite him being off this year, not having really the Henrik Lundqvist-type numbers this year, overall against Montreal, he is 4-5-2 and two at the Bell Center in Montreal. 387 career goals against average against the Habs at the Bell Center. 0.876 save percentage. He's been absolutely horrible, and he was horrible, horrible. against this year in the <laughs> Horrible this year against the Montreal Canadiens in the regular season. Again, it at the Bell Center where he got lit up in the one game. Even like this wraparound where I don't know where he was looking at, but he looked spooked and didn't even make a move. And Montreal easily just wrapped around the puck and scored. And Lundqvist was like, didn't know what was going on. So for whatever reason, he is spooked when he plays against Montreal. So for me personally, I am 
psyched to see this game because Lundqvist is like do or die now. He's not going to get many more opportunities to, to, to make another run at the Stanley Cup like they did in 2014, but he has to get over playing in Montreal. He's, I don't know why they get in his head. Or maybe it's the history. Maybe it's the old ghosts of the forum that are now at the Bell Center getting in his head. I don't know. But Lundqvist has to do something so the Rangers and, and him have a chance to get there and get past Montreal in order to try to get to the Stanley Cup final. But Montreal, of course, is going to have home ice advantage. So for me, and I think they're very nicely matched up, I think that's going to be the exciting series because I can just see it as a toss-up. If Lundqvist can get over his demons, they can take out the Habs. Um, but right now, if Carey Price plays like Carey Price and Lundqvist uh, plays like Lundqvist in Montreal, Montreal's going to get through. Uh, for Just a curiosity factor, I think that one's going to be a really exciting series. And I, I'm, like, I'm going to have popcorn, I'm going to have a beer, and I just can't wait to see what goes on and what drama is going to go on uh, with that team. And hopefully nobody crashes Carey Price into the net like they did back in 2014, or it's over for the Habs as well, because I don't think El Mongolia can take that team far. Or, um, yeah, anything could happen. So that's the one I'm going to pick here, Montreal and the New York Rangers. So are you saying that uh, King Henry has the, the old Pedro Martinez quote, just call the Canadians my daddy? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, as of today and as of, uh, of the sample size we've had of his career playing in Montreal, I would say hell yes. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, we, we're going to get back in touch with you as the playoffs go along, man. Thanks again for coming in. Great content out of you, as always. Um, go to calisportsnews.com for all, all of his NHL and LA Kings content and follow him on Twitter at JDStyles underscore. That's J-D-S-T-Y-L-Z underscore. JD, thanks again, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, man. Anytime, guys. Chris, to you, Dan, to see you, Mark, and it's always a pleasure to be on your show. Go Kings, go next year. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks, Dana. Oh, thanks, JD. All right, all right. Well, now we're back to the original three. Um, Dana, let me get uh, – let's kick it off to you. What uh, what stands out going in, in through this first round? I know we don't have all the matches, matchups that's set in place yet. But uh, for me, I, I'm excited to see the Toronto and, and Edmonton and how far these young teams can go. What's, uh, what's one thing Dana Lane's going to well, be Toronto's looking for not, in the first Toronto's round? Toronto's not in yet, my, my, my friend. Not in yet. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Well, I I can tell you a couple things for me. I I, I was there is a part of me as much as uh, I watch the NHL Network and listen to the, to the NHL Radio Network. There is a part of me that sure would love to see Toronto not make the playoffs, just because a month ago they spoke as if it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to be in. Right. And to this day, they're still not officially in. So there's a part of me that would love to see them uh, squirm a little bit if Toronto doesn't make the playoffs. Now, obviously, it doesn't look like that that's going to happen. Uh, but it didn't look like Tampa was going to make the playoffs not too long ago either after a loss to Boston, and here we are. Um, for me, and look, if I'm going to ride the Penguins, I, I don't know if there's a more of an intriguing matchup than, than potentially Pittsburgh and Columbus, especially I think this was a rivalry similar to Toronto and Buffalo that a lot of people don't know how intense this rivalry is. And let's not also forget, early in the season, I still think between these two teams, 
Pittsburgh, despite the fact that they've had the upper hand as of late, winning two out of the last three, but I still think they play with a chip on their shoulder uh, as a reflection of getting beat 7-1 to early in the season. So that is going to be an intriguing matchup to me. Uh, on the flip side, between those two teams, I would love to see Tortorella have success after what happened in the World Cup. Huh. Excuse me. And, uh, you know, if if he can go deep with this Columbus Blue Jacket team, and, and also, you know, if you looked at the Columbus schedule to start the season, you would have said, most people would have said, not only is this a team that could go 0-7, 0-8, and that was after a loss to the Bruins, this is also a team whose head coach and John Tortorella could be the first one let go. Well, good for him, and I'm glad he turned it around after um, after uh, the World Cup. And, uh, you know, so for me, it's either if Pittsburgh goes deep, that's great because I expect them to go deep. But if Columbus wins, there's a lot of reasons and a lot of people to be happy for. Excuse me, Mark, I got I got three three things in terms of what I'm looking forward to in the first round real quick. One, okay. outside the Blackhawk series, I think in the West we're going to have a real close series. Really, uh, who's going to win this series and go either way, and that's always in any, in any sport uh, during the playoffs, just great theater. Uh, two, I think the Ranger-Canadian series, uh, original six, two, two top sure. goalies, and for the same reason, fall into that category. And three, um, I, I might be looking forward to the most is when the Penguins get favorable calls in the against the, in the first round against the Blue Jackets, be it Crosby or Malkin, and and seeing John Torrello's face turn to a deep red <laughs> and, and smoke and fire and going crazy Back. and the must the spring yeah. must watch is going to be whatever game that happens in and they lose in overtime to watch the post-game press conference with Tortorella. Yeah. uh, uh, That's uh, that's that's something to look forward to for sure. Yeah. So those are the three things I'm looking forward to. I love it. I would make sure everybody was wearing a cup. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We we were talking about that. uh, The, the Jordan rules as applied to Crosby here. Um, not too long ago, so we, and then you guys, you guys brought up the point. Was it Marshan? You guys were debating whether he was going to get a playoff game or not. Well, he's not getting a playoff game, so that debate's over. No, he's not. Yeah, is that uh, just carrying on the the theme of uh, the the player safety department doesn't know what they're doing? <laughs> you know, I, I honestly, I mean, and Brian and I talk about this a lot. Um, I thought when it first happened, it was a three, but the more I think about it, I think I'm okay with it because I'm telling you, this is potentially something they could point to that cost them whole mice advantage. So I'm okay with this. There's a lot of other things I'm not okay with. I, I don't know how Kachuk gets to, and I don't know how Crosby right, doesn't right. even get talked to. I mean, those sort of things bother me a little bit more, but I, I'm okay with the two the more that I think about it. Okay. All right. Well, sir, when does uh, – It's really, really – sparing, sparing has never been something that's been on, you know, the, the suspendable offense before, despite where it 
where it happened. And if you, if you don't talk to Crosby, which was not quite as flagrant, but certainly the intent was certainly there and his mind was in the same place, then I think two is fair for Marshan. Okay. Okay, I can go with that. When does the uh, – I guess they got to wait till all the, all the matchups are set up, right? Are we going to have some series prices out on Monday? Yeah, we should have some series prices out on uh, Monday. Depending, you know, obviously everything will be set at that point. So uh, as soon as uh, we all know who everybody is playing, I expect every single one of them to be out, and I'm sure they'll be out as soon as it's, all of them are set. Well, let's touch base early in the week. Maybe we can get a, a little quick half-hour show, depending on your schedule, and just go go through it from the Vegas angle, what the prices are, who the favorites are, uh, break that down from the Vegas eye um, early in the week. If we can put that together, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, no, that'd be great. They, they just won't put series prices out this early, you know, because they don't want to have sure. some unexpected in, in, injury and have liability. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's work on maybe a little quick show before the playoffs kick off when we when we can focus a little bit more on on individual series and not just as the playoffs as a whole. And and maybe we could put some together for that. Okay. Sounds good. Hey, uh, real real quick, real quick. Saturday night special, buddy. What do you got? Uh, you know what? You got to shop for this line a little bit, but um, if you can get a six. On the Toronto-Washington game, I like the under in this. Um, I thought we would see more sixes, but unfortunately Toronto has had a power outage in the last couple games. So that's probably why we're seeing a lot of five and a half. But, um, you know, like I said before, you know, this this Toronto team, I think put it on cruise control a little bit because they were reading their own press clippings. Uh, They are facing a team. Uh, with the Penguins that, you know, basically is paying for playing for pride and also a Penguins team that can't afford to get anybody hurt. Uh, there have been some call-ups early in the day. Kevin Porter got called up and Tristan Jerry got called up from Scranton. So, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, a different lineup in there and guys that normally would get X amount of time will get less. And I just don't see a lot of offensive cohesion. And uh, honestly, I, I don't try to anticipate what a team is going to do. I, I take what they have done and apply that to their next game. And what they have done has uh, basically told me that they're, that Toronto's having trouble scoring goals. So I'm not going to cross my fingers that that stops tonight. Six is a real good number. So if you can find that out there, it's minus a dollar five to the under. I, I will definitely take the under. I have such a hard time betting the under watching hockey. Um, <laughs> I know it's I know it's one of your and what's funny about that, that you... is I have such a hard time betting overs because for two and a half hours I'm losing. <laughs> and the other way for two and a half hours I'm winning. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why you're the professional and I am not, sir. <laughs> um anyway, well, that, well, let's, that's uh, really let's, just... let's work. Go ahead. I, I was just saying that's really just a me thing. <laughs> I, I have to fight it. I don't base it on whether or not I want to be comfortable for two and a half hours, but uh, I, I know I feel a lot more comfortable when I, I have an under in the game that's a five and a half or a six. Five's not so much. Five and a half, sixes, I'm a lot more comfortable. 
for sure, for sure. All right, man. Well, let's let's see uh, let's see about our schedules. We'll we'll put something together for Tuesday or Wednesday maybe, and and just do a Vegas Lane show and and get the prices out there and talk talk at it from a Vegas angle, buddy. Thanks for coming in for so long on okay. a Saturday, man. I do appreciate it. That's no problem, man. Anytime. I, I enjoy speaking with you guys, and certainly respect your knowledge, and look forward to it every week. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, yes, Dana. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, man. That was that was uh, almost two hours worth of hockey talk, bro. I, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go watch yeah. the Masters. <laughs> I'm gonna go, go watch uh, the Masters because it looks like it's so looks really, like it's setting up for a pretty good golf tournament this weekend. Oh, is that right? So just to wrap yep, yep. just to wrap up, uh, we'll set uh, a special Vegas Lane show out early uh, this week when those uh, series get set. Uh, obviously, we'll continue with our usual Saturday show. Don't have a guest lined up. Let's see what the week brings. Uh, we'll t- uh, tweet something out uh, in terms of when we have the guests ready. Just want to throw out, though, two things. One, if you missed our mock expansion show, which a, a lot of people have listened to, thank you for that. Uh, go to blogsradio.com yeah. or go to the thehockeywriters.com. Uh, uh, catch that show on SoundCloud or Blog Talk or or iTunes is a really good show. And the hockey, we, we got another the hockeywriters.com. Show. Yeah, the hockeywriters.com. Yep. And we have another special thing we're planning for Saturday night, April 29th. And this is all Vegas listeners. Uh, it's a big night for the Golden Knights. It's, it's the night of the NHL lottery it was finally announced. Uh, I believe it will be an 8 o'clock Eastern time uh, thing. And we're going to do a special show once the results are in. So, uh, we're working on getting Zach Devine as a special guest. Nobody knows the prospects better than him. And to really break it down, especially from a Vegas perspective, of where their pick is and who they should be looking at. Uh, so that's going to be Saturday night, April 29th. So uh, put that down and um, and just let's get ready for playoff hockey. Uh, uh, we'll know a lot Big more uh, by uh, – yeah, we'll know a lot more by tomorrow night, but I expect the, the Maple Leafs to, uh, to get. I will say this though. All right, and we'll... last thing is, yeah. if, if somehow, some way, the Maple Leafs do not win tonight and only get a point or get zero points, uh, Tampa they will still be alive going into tomorrow. The Islanders would have to, uh, I believe, win. Uh, that's going to be an awful lot of pressure in that last game. And based on how Columbus played today, I could see Tortorella. Uh, getting the, the troops in line that he's going to want a solid game going into the playoffs. So uh, I they they better take care of business tonight because uh, they leave it to the last day. Uh, I think you can get dicey. Yeah, uh, yeah. You take care of business. Take care of business. That's that. And also, Chris has two New Islanders articles that dropped out uh, this week at Ion Isles fan sided website. Uh, make sure you go over to ionisles.com and check out those for Chris. Um, Mark, that was two super hours of hockey talk and look forward to the 2017 version of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're gone.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.